either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Back in the screening room, loaded down with Oscar contenders and superhero rodents. <laughs> Are they one and the same? We will find out. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. We are from MadWolf.com. Let's start with a sure Oscar contender. After losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling, modern-day nomad. It's Nomadland. What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did. I think Fern's part of an American tradition. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering. One of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. I've met hundreds of people out here, and I don't ever say a final goodbye. Let's just say, I'll I'll see you down the road. Wait, get to know Chloe Zhao. That's uh, the writer-director from this film. She did. She made a movie a couple of years ago called The Rider that yeah. was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this has a has very similar themes and and sort of style to it. Yeah, that one got a lot of critical acclaim, but it still flew under the radar. This mm-hmm. one now feels like a breakout, really, for her. I mean, it's been around for a while. I think it's gotten a lot of. Uh, conversation for a while, but now it's getting a wide release in theaters and also on Hulu. Right. You can catch this on Hulu, and uh, you're bound to see it pop up. Well, it's already gotten a lot of uh, other uh, nominations for other awards, but it's going to get Oscar nominations, probably first and foremost for the lead, Frances McDormand, because as always, she's fantastic as Fern, the the woman, well, she she loses her husband, she loses her job, and what's crazy, and this is based on, on true events, yes. she loses her entire town. Yes, the city that she lives in basically closes up completely once the gypsum mine closes. It was in Nevada. In Nevada. Mm-hmm. And um, her husband's been dead of several years, and basically she just takes to a van that she remodels and, you know, works on periodically, and she lives in it. And it's not as if she's, she says at one point, she's not homeless. Right. She is she, without a house. Right. And she travels, as do a lot of the people that she runs into and gets to know. She works at Amazon during Christmas season. She works at Wall Drug during their, you know, she basically travels to different uh, seasonal work and lives in her van and makes a living that way. And that's the thing, because she falls in with these other people, and it's a subculture. It's a subculture of people that exist this way, and they have their own little community and uh, the, the way of doing things and help each, helping each other out. And it's based on a book by Jessica Bruder, although Chloe Zhao also writes the, adapts the screenplay. So it is based, not, well, not only is it based on true events, but it uses a lot of, quote-unquote, real people that live this way. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's, it's so funny, too, about Frances McDormand. One of the reasons, I think, that her performance in this film stands out is because she's indistinguishable right. from the people who That's live right. this life. You know, and, and she's she's one of the... There are some great, great, great actors in the world today. She's one of the few who is so not showy about everything mm-hmm. that she could pull this off. Yeah. Exactly right. Like when she's being told by the one woman that maybe she should take early retirement. And she says, I, I want to work. I like work. Yeah. It just seems 
so authentic. Yeah. And when she is interacting with these other people who are not professional actors, it, it's just totally, totally authentic. Like she has arrived there and she's made the friends and now they're all leaning on each other mm-hmm. and, and having their own kind of spa day. It just seems so real uh, examining this this way of, uh, of American living that so many people may not even know exists. Right. And, you know, and, and it's funny, we were asked earlier today whether, you know, it kind of has a plot at all. Like, you know, does anything happen? Uh, yeah. And it does. It's got a little bit of sort of a road picture kind of a plot about it because there are adventures at every different stop that she makes. And then, but also, you know, it, McDermott's character and the sort of how she begins this lifestyle and where it takes her as a human, mm-hmm. you know, makes up the, the arc of the film. And it's, it's beautifully rendered. And one of the things that Zhao does that I don't think another working filmmaker does is examine poverty without sort of looking at it as noble or tragic or, you know, uh, without proselytizing anything. She sees something just poetic and human. And in the way that she represents this kind of really helps us, me, us, the viewers, rediscover a, a kind of a side of America that I'm sure we all thought was long lost. Yeah, because it, with a lot of stories and a lot of movies, you take a character like this and the the first, the the question is, okay, how is she going to get out of this situation? Exactly. And in this, the question is not, how can she get out of it? The question is, does she even want to yep. get out of it? And that's totally, totally different. And you get to learn about this character without being told. You get to feel how she's feeling mm-hmm. and feel what happens to these people as they as they accept new members. Because Fern is a new member mm-hmm. uh, at, in the beginning. Uh, and she and they all learn to uh, become dependent on each other. But as as the one guy says, see you down the road. And the people come and the people go. But they always feel like they're gonna they're gonna meet up again because this this is the way that they're living. And once she becomes adapted to it. She may not know any other way. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to see another film like this. You're just not. You know, we see a lot of these kind of rugged individualism American road movies, and they are 201 about men. You're never going Mm -hmm. to find another one that's about a woman, let alone a woman in her 60s who finds herself without any money, without any savings, without any insurance. And it does not look at that as tragic. It looks at it as an opportunity to survive and thrive. There is no other film like Nomadland. Yeah, and things definitely do happen, as you say, but they happen at their own pace. Mm -hmm. And uh, just let it it kind of wash over you and, and let yourself be accepted into this group of people and it is it's an uh, amazing amazing film and again it's in theaters if you want to venture out or if you've got hulu you can find it on hulu this weekend as well nomadland next up is this week's new one from netflix and it's a crooked legal guardian draining the savings of her elderly wards meeting her match when a woman she tries to swindle turns out to be more than she first appears this is i care a lot you've had amazing success What's your secret? There is no secret, Peter. She forces them into the home, auctions off their house, and uses the proceeds to pay herself. Because caring is my job. But Jennifer Peterson, she's off limits. She has very powerful friends who can make life uncomfortable for you. How uncomfortable are we talking? I don't like you. You only just met me. There's two types of people in this world. Predators and prey.
Well, this is a lot of fun. And it's a it's a dark comedy. It's kind of a thriller as well. And it's led by a fantastic cast with right at the top Rosamund Pike, who has it's a little bit just a little bit of the attitude, the the cool, sometimes cruel customer of Gone Girl, but with a more comedic edge. And even though this movie does take some contrived liberties, it's still fun. I thought this was one of the scariest movies I've seen. This movie really bothered me. I was very bothered by it. And I actually think that it's to the writer-director's credit that he could build something darkly comedic on top of on top of this. I think that we're used to seeing, because um, basically you've got two different bad people fighting it out over the loot in the middle. And that happens often in movies. And it's usually drugs or diamonds or cash. And in this case, it's... American elderly and and I just it was so hard for me not to just I I, I wanted to hide at times <laughs> while I watched this movie but at the same time it really is it's very clever it's darkly funny Rosamund Pike is outstanding in this movie and so is Peter Dinklage kind of love him in everything yeah Peter Dinklage turns out to be well she her latest award because her scam as it talked about in the synopsis there is that she gets herself appointed guardian of these elderly people who can be taken for their houses and their life savings. And uh, that is her scam. And she's a damn near a sociopath for doing it. She just doesn't care because in her in her world, in her view, it's predator and prey. That's it. She's a predator. And uh, she's got people around her and around with these uh, nursing homes and, and the elderly homes all involved in this. And people are on the take. And then her latest Mark, played by uh, Diane Wiest, Turns out to be someone with powerful friends. Let's leave it at that. And then Peter, it's it's basically Peter Dinklage versus Rosamund Pike mm-hmm. for who who is going to come out on top. And I thought it was fascinating as they went back and forth that even as as ruthless as she is, she still thinks there are rules to this game. Yeah, and he's not playing by her rules. She thinks no, there's there's still some some dignity in what I'm doing. And you have to play by my rules. If you're going to beat me, you got to beat me fair and square, which I thought was very funny because it's a it's a darkly darkly comic look at I think they say it in this movie, money as a weapon. Yes. Yeah, and just weaponized yep. capitalism, yeah. just strict kill or be killed, predator and prey, and and that's just the way it is. And it's not so much we're war as that we're warning you that it's going to be that way. No, that's the way it is now. Yeah, I think that's actually, for me, one of the most powerful elements of the film is that, again, we're used to seeing something somewhat like this, only the people that are being preyed upon tend to be drug dealers or street prostitutes or homeless people. And in this case, it's our beloved moms and grandmas. And it just makes the whole thing, first of all, it gives this very brightly lit sheen to it that I found unnerving, but it also just made, it just made me sad. (laughs) Yeah. And and worried. Yeah, very much so. And it's not... When we say darkly comic, it's not laugh out loud funny. No, there, no. There were some moments, but it, it just has this real winking way about it. In fact, that they're not, it, they, the movie doesn't feel like it's trying to tell you something that you don't already know. Right. It sort of assumes that, yeah, we all know this, right? Mm-hmm. This is what it is now. Yeah. And the the predators get there and they get theirs and the hell with you. Right. And, and we're going to just rig it because we're going to take care of our own. And then we think there are rules to it. Uh, we don't care about the rules we're breaking, but once we get here up along are the ones that play the game, well, then there, we, there, we have to adhere to some sort of code or something like that with the way that we're rigging the system. But you do have to suspend disbelief a little bit, mm-hmm. but it also, it keeps you guessing. So that's fun. Anytime that you don't 
exactly know what's going to happen mm-hmm. uh, is always fun to watch. And even though, it, okay, the running time may be a little bit long, not, mm-hmm. but, not, but not too much, the cast always keeps it uh, above board and keeps exactly. it worth watching yeah, and fun. Yeah, yeah, So we give credit to writer-director Jay Blakeson uh, for making this one fun because scanning his resume, it's not full of... Agreed. Yeah, I mean, The Fifth Wave, he directed that. He didn't write it, but, uh, whew, that was bad. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this one, I think, is a big step up, and it's uh, the latest on Netflix. I care a lot. Let's head to Disney Plus next for a family adventure of a young girl and a squirrel with superpowers. This is Flora and Ulysses. Every superhero comes to us with a purpose. We don't always see it at first. Because we don't always know where to look. Flora! What is this? I am Ulysses. Born anew. Holy unanticipated occurrences! Did you type this? He's a superhero. What? Do you have any enemies? I'm here about the squirrel. Danger lurks everywhere. Is he? He's flying. This is out on Disney Plus, and it's the latest adaptation of a book by Kate DiCamillo, who likes to do stories about magical animals. She does. She's a beloved writer Tale of, of children's Despero books. Tale yeah. was hers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, I know there's been some others that escape me right now. But uh, this is the latest, and there's a squirrel, Ulysses. <laughs> And uh, Ulysses no gets, moose. Ulysses get no no moose, just squirrel. Uh, Ulysses gets sucked up by one of those Roomba type vacuums, and comes out the other side with magical powers, just in time to get befriended by Flora, a ten year old girl who uh, already she's ten years old and she's a self described cynic. <laughs> she just doesn't believe there's real magic in the world, even though she loves superheroes because her dad uh, helps write them. He tries to get his superhero stories published, but. Uh, so Flora looks to Ulysses as a real example of magic in the world. And Flora is played by Matilda Lawler, and she's great. She is great. I don't know where she came from. I don't think she has a, a, a big resume right now, but I look forward to seeing more from her. She's got one of those, sort of reminded me of a, of a voice like um, Miley Cyrus had when she first came out. It's like Smokey. What? Smokey, yeah. <laughs> it's like, gee whiz, girl. <laughs> but yeah, a little bit of a smoky voice, but she's got spunky charm to spare, and she's got some real nice comic timing she does. in this, especially when you consider she's acting a lot of times with the... Uh, I don't know what she was actually holding in her hand, but it's a CGI squirrel to do all these superhero things. So, yeah, I thought she was a real treat. And this is aimed mainly not only at families, but at at children especially, because everything is such so uh, broadly brushed and everything, uh, the danger, there is danger because then people want to capture the the squirrel of course uh, so there's danger about afoot but uh, as, as people are chasing him but it's all very silly danger and everything the the strife at home between Flora's parents and her mom is played by um, Allison Hannigan oh sure and uh, the dad is Ben Schwartz all that is also very very sanitized it's all very very good for the young kids who maybe are just coming off comic books or just coming off animated or superhero movies and maybe want to try something like this. And also for the parents, uh, the director is Lena Khan. She tries to keep them, keep the parents occupied. There are some 
visual nods, wink, wink to adult movies like The Shining, like Alien, like uh, E.T., so you'll you'll notice those. But overall, it's pretty homogenized. My favorite thing about this movie mm-hmm. is that the squirrel is voiced by John Kassir, yes. who is the, ga- the crypt keeper. Nice. I love that. The noises. It's not like Sorry, really, yes. yeah, they can, can really talk, but the noises are made by him. That's right. Yeah. Good call there. So uh, it's good for the families. Disney Plus, if you have Disney Plus, obviously it's one you can watch many, many times. But uh, the messages are told a lot. It's one of those that doesn't really let you uh, the room to discover them them for yourself. Mm -hmm. But again, if we're talking to a 10-year-old, it seems sort of familiar. It's it's much more for for the young ones than for the the, the grown-ups. But, you know, you won't hate it if (laughs) if you have to sit through it. And there are times, there are at least... Three or four times. What it is funny. From what I hear, I didn't read the book, but I, I, I guess uh, from what I read, the book was very, very funny. Mm. Uh, that didn't all translate. Translate, yeah. It's more hijinks and, and, and gimmicky than anything else. But there are some funny moments. So I'd say good for the families, especially for the younger ones. And that is on Disney Plus, Flora and Ulysses. <laughs> Next is a documentary on the Grammy-winning lead singer of System of a Down, Serge Tankian helping to awaken a political revolution on the other side of the world, inspiring Armenia's struggle for democracy through his music and his message, it's truth to power. The Armenian hard rockers' system of a down are political and popular. It's our responsibility to tell you these things and to rock you at the same time. The things you're talking about are reflecting what's really going on. A lot of people just don't want to talk about it. Not talking about it doesn't make it go away. Whatever statement I make is based on an injustice occurring somewhere that I want to rectify. I don't think about what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. I just open my mouth and it comes out. Music changes our intuitive hearts and our logic being a part of the process can change the world. But it requires people realizing that they have the power. And now I've got the song Chop Suey in my head, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you do definitely have some uh, System of a Down music in this documentary, which is obviously appropriate because it's mainly based on the lead singer. Um, although it does give a, it gives a good background, not only about him and his upbringing, but the other members as well, and about the forming of the band. But that really is not the main focus of this documentary. It's mainly about the intersection of art versus activism. And to put it mildly, Serge is not a guy that believes in shutting up and singing. <laughs> um, and, you know, to be fair, ne- neither do we. No, not um, at all. And he is, he, he, it's funny, he freely admits that once he starts one of these onstage rants, he says he has no idea what he's going to say. No idea whatsoever. <laughs> but he's good at it. And he's very passionate. He's very passionate about music and he's passionate about these causes because he is an American of Armenian descent. So the, the film focuses on his interest in the U.S. stance on getting Turkey to admit to the 1915 Armenian genocide. Right. Now, since then, they have done that. Mm-hmm. But this this movie focuses on his interest in that. And then, at the same time, his inspirational role, I should say, in the Armenian Revolution of 2018. So it's very interesting in the way it talks about how music can change the world, and you do see the fact that during the, the, the guy who's now currently the, the prime minister of Armenia, 
and rose to power in that revolution of 2018 just just cites him outright as an inspiration. That's crazy. Yeah, and and so and you can see how he he's um, viewed in his homeland when he returns as a national hero. And some of the best moments in the film are the intimate smaller moments to show how much that touches him, uh, remembering his parents and and their uh, lineage from Armenia. So that is very interesting, and it's an intriguing look at how you can be an artist and and still satisfy that need to be politically aware and try to use your pulpit that so many people believe you shouldn't use, but to use it because you feel you have to. And he does definitely feels that he has to because uh, he th- feels that he's speaking truth, like the title, Truth to Power. What's interesting about this movie, or what's, what's I guess, disappointing is anybody that has followed System of, of a Down at all, you may have heard in the last couple of years especially, their drummer, it's come out that their drummer has very, very right-wing views. He's, he's been a, a proud supporter of Donald Trump, and a supporter of some really hard right policies, which stand in stark contrast to Serge's. And just even if you think, okay, well, maybe they filmed a lot of this before those views of the drummer came out. Okay, fair enough. But this movie has a pretty slight running time. I don't think it's even 80 minutes. And so then, like, what they could have done an epilogue, really, because... As it landing as it does now, that's just a great big elephant of a question yeah. in the room. And it would add so much more context because we're, we're talking about art and activism coexisting. Well, you've got a, a conflict of activism right in your own band. Right. And how do you how do you, you know, come to grips with that and coexist? So that that's a, for me, that was a really big question mark that was just not addressed. And it made the, the film feel incomplete. Sure. But still, um, Especially if you're a fan of System of a Down, but also just the whole question of, of, of should they shut up and sing or should they follow follow their heart and follow their causes? Definitely worth checking out. Uh, and that is the documentary. Uh, the writer-director is Garen Hovassian. Hope I pronounced that right. Uh, and it's called Truth to Power. Next is the latest on Shudder. When Mia, a social media star, becomes the target of an online terror campaign, she has to solve a series of games to prevent people she cares about from getting murdered. But is it real? Or is it just a game at her expense? This is shook. We need to get out of the house. What the hell? We're friends now, online. Lock all the doors. What do you want? I need you to make a choice. He says you have to choose. <laughs> this is crazy. Can't argue with that. You're gonna kill me. Leave us alone. What did you do? Oh, my God. The most interesting thing that happened to this movie happens in the opening scene. Uh, We start off close up on these three beautiful young women, uh, red carpet, you know, in front of this backdrop. And they are Instagram influencers. And they're all in the area of makeup. They're makeup influencers. We love the Instagram uh, influencers, don't we? And they're, they're taking, you know, the people taking pictures and interviewing them. And then quickly the film pans back a little bit. And you realize, first of all, that you're in the point of view of a different person who's obviously eyeballing things, maybe in a sinister way. But the more important thing is it lets you know that this glamorous event is actually just taking place in some dodgy parking lot up against the back of some random building. And it shows what the movie is going to go on to say, which is like, whatever you think about the people that you follow on Instagram, that is not what their lives are like. Sure. Um, And that's an interesting idea. 
And then the very next thing that happens is a, is a murder. So it balances that whole concept quite well. And I'm almost sorry they didn't just make a short film of it right there. Yeah. Because that the opening sequence I thought was very, very interesting, really smartly shot. But then what it goes on to do, you know, I don't know how many movies we've seen in the last two or three years that basically is just that, is just that an online community is not a real community. And right. the people who are online that you think that you love, you don't know them at all. It's about the sort of superficiality and the narcissism of it. The films always hate these people, which is very easy to do in a horror film. You just pick a population that you hate, and then you pick them off one by one, and the (laughs) the audience cheers on those deaths. It's a very nihilistic approach. So none of that is new. None of it feels fresh. And then what the film winds up doing, though, is just using sort of the old babysitter theme, the the old trope. You know, she's Mm -hmm. alone in the house. She should be taking care of something, but somebody else is trying to kill them. In this case, she's dog-sitting. And then winds in some sort of scream ideas from the movie Scream, uh, a lot from Unfriended. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, what I'm saying is there's not a single interesting or new idea in this whole film. So it relies on, you know, some fairly fun horror images, gimmicks, you know, um, execution, some decent performances. It's got some funny moments. It's got some, you know, jumpy moments. It's never scary. It's not terrible. It's certainly not very good. And it is by no means fresh. It's the co-writer and director is Jennifer Harrington. So uh, we've seen this, I think we've seen this pretty frequently on Shudder here the last few months with varying degrees of success where you take a lot of ideas from other well-known horror flicks and put them together in hopefully a different way. And some are a lot more uh, adept at doing that uh, and making it feel fresh than others. And not so much here. No. And that is Shook on Shudder. Next is a movie that follows an interracial couple whose relationship is put to the test after the woman is sexually assaulted and her boyfriend drives her from hospital to hospital in search of a rape kit. This is called Test Pattern. I think we should go to the hospital. Uh, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to conduct the examination. You guys don't have rape kids? Actually, we suggest that you go to Bryson Kahn. You're on the list. We, we drove all the way here. Why is this so important to you? Come on, me. No, seriously, why? Don't we need to figure out what happened to you? Brandon Thomas reviewed this movie for us and just was really blown away by it, by the way that the film follows this particular couple and looks at who they really are, who they become, what they seem to be, and just just really does a very, very smart job at depicting this particular incident and and everything that it can mean to someone. Yes, the feature debut for writer and director Shatara Michelle Ford and very interesting the way I think you heard in the in the bit of the trailer there the clip where suddenly she the woman starts to wonder about the motives for why the boyfriend is so obsessed with this and and taking her around maybe when she isn't right and it it's an interesting in, in a way character study between two characters that are going through this incredibly traumatic event and uh, able to shed some some real interesting insight on it. But you're right, Brandon Thomas loved it. And uh, check out his written review. You can find it on uh, our website 
at madwolf.com. And that is Test Pattern. This is something that you can find online at Kino Lorber. And we see this more and more, I think, that distributor studios are putting out their own streaming films. And Kino Lorber, while you're over there, just check it out because they have a ton of great films that you could watch. Yeah, it's obviously it's sometimes it's not going to be exactly fun to watch. No. Uh, but still insightful, especially with the dynamics of relationships and, and how this particular relationship adapts to this, this traumatic event. And we'll wrap it up with a story of a troubled woman in 1950s New England stumbling upon an isolated farmhouse and is taken in by its idealistic residents until a murderous figure from her past arrives. This is Alice Fades Away. We're not safe, are we? No. There are a lot of good people here, and I don't want to see them hurt. I'm sorry. No, you're not. I caused this. That man out there is cruel and sadistic. Something that ugly doesn't deserve to be in this world anymore. We'll find you, but I have to try. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us, and she says that it brings to mind the work of Flannery O'Connor. Could not be a better tagline for me. (laughs) Yeah, and this is also another uh, feature debut for a talented new uh, filmmaker. Ryan Bliss is the writer-director. And in the cast, you will recognize at least one uh, familiar face. William Sadler pops up in this. It's a guy, especially Rachel thought, even when the movie had its weaknesses she's always she's very intrigued now about what he's going to do from now from now on uh, in his next in his next few films because she thought that was in line with the movie the movie always kept you wondering about what is going to happen next and it's the same way with this filmmaker a talented uh, talented new voice to look for and his debut is a good one uh, check out Rachel's review at madwolf.com and his film is Alice Fades Away All right, hey, I think it's time to go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby where we find Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer. He never leaves. He's just in the lobby (laughs) all the time. He's just in the lobby all the time. He loves the milk duds there. Keeping his finger on the pulse of uh, what's going on. I know we've got some uh, some new dates and some new announcements to talk about. So what do you want to lead with? Well, first up, if you are wanting to see Zack Schneider's upcoming director's cut of Justice League and you live abroad in a territory that doesn't have access to HBO Max, don't worry. His four-hour superhero epic will still be coming your way, and it will be hitting VOD outside the U.S. on March 18th, which is the same day it hits on HBO Max here. The only exception it at this time are for France, Japan, and China, and that's simply because they don't have the release plans ironed out yet for those territories. But other than that, everyone's going to get it on the exact same day, no matter where you live. See, Hope, it's going to find you. You can't hide. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> All four hours of it. I know. Down. I have a feeling I'll be watching that one. <laughs> do I have a half a day to devote to this? I don't know that I do. Speaking of Warner Brothers, they set a date for another theatrical and HBO Max dual release, and this time it's for the Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson sci-fi thriller Reminiscence. Okay. That will arrive on September 3rd. Uh, she was great in uh, Dr. Sleep. 
She's always oh, yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> uh, after that, I mean, we don't have any more dates. I don't ha- I'm not going to punish anyone with any uh, delays or postponements <laughs> of any kind this week. Yeah. Your no promises De- for next week. But, that, that's your name, but, Dr. DeLay. <laughs> right. But I figured we could talk about some brand new film announcements instead. Okay. Stuff that's going to get made this year. First up, Francis Lawrence is directing a gender-swapped adaptation of Little Nemo in Slumberland for Netflix. And that's going to star uh, Jason Momoa, Kyle Chandler, Chris O'Dowd, and then I'm sure a bunch of, you know, unknown newcomers kids. After that, Jesse Plemons is playing the lead in Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, and he's joining a cast that already includes Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Nice. Good for him. Yes. Yeah, yeah finally getting the do that people are associating the name with the face, because he's been one of those supporters for a while now, and he's so good in Judas and the Black Messiah right now. Yeah, good for him. Uh, Kiki Palmer will play the one, at least one of the villains in Jordan Peele's new film, which should shoot this year and will come out next summer. Don't have a title on that yet, but we just know it's a horror I movie. I think it's called Our Villain is Very Attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I could go for that title. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix is going to headline the next film by Ari Aster, which is titled Disappointment Boulevard, which I think is where I lived most of my 20s on. Uh, just, I, I could not possibly be more excited about anything than I am about the idea of those two teaming up for a horror film. I'm right there with you. All right, now I'm going to pull a George and butcher a name here in a second. <laughs> but um, there's been a Train to Busan remake in the works for a while now with James Wan producing. Even with Wan attached, I wasn't too excited about it. But either yesterday or the day before, they finally signed a director, and it's uh, Timo Tejanto from uh, Indonesia. So that completely turned me around on it. You know, anyone that's seen um, the segment that he did with Gareth Evans on uh, VHS2, the, he did a great action movie called Headshot. There's, basically, it's just going to be super violent. And he's that's got really one, all I want he's got one on like Shudder right now. Yeah, very violent and bloody. Do I put your names? Is that, is that... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you say you do, but I think most of the time that you actually get them right. Really? But, you know. <laughs> That's kind. That's kind of you. <laughs> uh, speaking of Gareth Evans, he just signed an exclusive deal with Netflix, and first time on that contract is going to be a Tom Hardy action thriller called Havoc. So hopefully that'll be bringing some right action with uh, Tom Hardy in the lead. You had us at Tom Hardy. Yes, you did. And Ty West has a new horror film for A24 called X, which is on the way. That'll star Britney Snow, Mia Goth, and Jenna Ortega. No plot details, but apparently it involves, it's a horror movie involving the creation of an adult film. So, so the soundtrack will go something like, boom, chicka, boom, boom. <laughs> Probably. And then lastly, a slightly older announcement, but Chloe Zhao's all over the news right now due to Nomadland, and of course she has a new Marvel movie on the way later this year, assuming it doesn't get pushed back. But she's been hired by Universal to write and direct a sci-fi western take on Dracula. Ooh! (laughs) Intriguing! Very. Especially because Karen Kusama is also supposed to be doing a Dracula movie next year, so it's a a big year for Mm. Dracula movies. Apparently. Universal has mercifully given up on their dark universe concept for the universal monsters and instead they just seem to be allowing filmmakers to come in and pitch whatever weird take they have on whichever monster they want and they don't seem to be that picky about having multiple people playing around with the same monster so that's got to be that's got to be due to the success of the invisible man don't you think 
Oh, guaranteed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I know some people were worried about the Zao project maybe canceling out the Kusama one, but based on my memory alone, there are probably at least five different films in the works there right now that involve Dracula to some degree. So they're, I guess they're kind of just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks, but hopefully we can get some, you know, some cool movies out of the Well, piece of nerdy of trivia, there is no character in the history of cinema that makes it into the movies more often than Dracula. <laughs> nice. That's all I've got for you. <laughs> all right, good stuff as always. You can find Daniel at The Schlocketeer for all the latest news. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Looks like we've got a busier week on tap for next week, uh, headlined by Animated. This Well, it's, it's half animated, half live action, right? Because it's Chloe Moretz and Tom and Jerry. I just don't want to see it. <laughs> I've always hated Tom and Jerry. How do you feel? Especially Jerry. Yeah, it's not my favorite comic. No. But uh, we'll see how it goes. We, we're keeping an open mind. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the one I'm more interested in seeing is the United States versus Billy oh, Holiday. Oh, boy, you're not kidding. Uh, Wrong Turn. And The Vigil, a couple of horror films. And My Name is Pedro. Is this a, is this a Napoleon Dynamite sequel? It is not. It's Damn. a documentary about a teacher. Okay. Also looking forward to Rage. Tiger, Tiger. Donna. Stealing School. Safer at Home. And the independence. Big week. Let's be independent together. That's all <laughs> next week. Uh, but this week, let us know what you thought about anything. Nomad Land, or I Care a Lot, or maybe the magical superhero squirrel. Uh, keep the conversation going. We always love to talk movies on Twitter. You can find us. We're at Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram. It is Mad Wolf Columbus. Are we are we officially influencers on Instagram? Not at all. We are not. No, we're not. We are not. We're influencing no one except ourselves. And you can find us at Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website with all of our written reviews and other fun stuff, including our horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. You can find all that at madwolf.com. So keep in touch if you can. Until next time, be well. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>